Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. You do you. Hey, you do you. do you. Um, this series title is kind of odd. Uh, it really just came out of pop culture. I heard somebody use this phrase and they were like, hey, it's probably like a hipster guy. I don't, it was like, hey, you do you. And I'm like, all right. What does that mean? I had to look it up on Urban Dictionary. And so um, you do you is this phrase where literally it's just like, hey, you be yourself. You do what you would do or you, you, you know, just do what you like or everybody's got their own flow. You just be yourself. And it sounds really, really good at first glance. But what it challenges you to do is eventually ask the question, well, what do I like? What would I do? What, what, who am I really? Because if I know who I am, then I know you know, kind of what I would do. And, and here's the interesting thing. The Bible addresses this very specifically. The Apostle Paul basically takes an entire book of the Bible, what we call the book of Ephesians, and he addresses this because what he says is, he goes, I want you to know exactly who you are. Now that you are a Christ follower, your whole position in life has changed. Your identity has changed. Everything, you are this brand new creation in Christ Jesus. And I want you to know who you are because if you know who you are, you will know how do you do you when the time comes for you to do. Yeah, you guys are rolling. So anyway, we, we've been just looking at this, that the Bible gives you these new titles. The Bible gives you these new things that you need to see yourself as, because as you put your faith in Jesus, it seems as though maybe not a lot changes on the outside. And that's true. So like, for example, like, you know, if you had some funky breath and then you came to church one day, gave your life to Jesus right after church, your breath has the same level of freshness that it had before. Nothing externally has changed on the outside, but internally something radical has happened, even though you can't see it. And you may even not feel it right away. Some people have these stories where when they come to Jesus, it is just... It's incredible, and they, they go on, you know, other people, it's almost like they come to Jesus, and they're like, and they just open their heart, and they say yes, but then they open a little bit, and there's, it's a little bit of a journey for them. But regardless of how it looks for you, even though nothing on the outside has changed, something drastic has happened on the inside of you. You have become something completely different. And the Bible refers to this as just now being in Christ, that your life used to be over here, now you're in Christ, and in Christ you're completely new. So we've been talking about the idea of like you're, in Christ you're blessed, in Christ you're victorious, in Christ you're adopted, all these different things that, that we're going to cover over these weeks. But today I just want you to think about this idea, and the Apostle Paul uses this word specifically, that in Christ I am new. Everybody say, I'm new. I'm new. I'm a new, I'm, I'm a new you. I'm a new, it's new. So anyway, what I want to show you today and read, if you have your Bible, we're going to read Ephesians chapter two. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter, chapter four. And I want you to look at how the apostle Paul describes your whole new you. Here we go. Ephesians four, he says, so I tell you, and I even insist on it. That's like, I, ins- no, I insist. I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. This is just he's referring to people away from God in the futility of their thinking, because they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Meaning that when you're away from God, there's a certain level of like hardness to your heart where you're like, no, I don't want that. No, I'm not sure if I believe in that. No, I don't want this. No, I don't want that. And many times that's just kind of where your heart is. He says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality 
so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. Meaning like when, when your heart is closed to God, then the only thing you can do is just kind of go with what feels best, go with what feels natural, just kind of go with whatever your desires are. And, and what we've learned is this, if you have any experience in life, what you learned is this, is that when I always give into my impulses and I always give into my desires and I just want what I want in the moment, how I many know that usually ended up with a bad story. There was some ramifications and consequences. There was some stuff. There was maybe some jail time or there was some, maybe a setback in life. Maybe there was some lost money in the bank account. But like when we just do what, like, remember the old phrase, if it feels good, do it. How many know that didn't work out? It actually did not work out right. So anyway, he's, that's what he's talking about. And so he said in verse 20, let's skip forward. The Bible says that, however, is not the way of life that you've learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Everybody say old self. So he's saying that there's an old you from the past. Remember, like we think about the calendar, we think about B.C. and A.D. We're like before Christ, right? B.C. is before. That's you. That's your old self. You have a B.C. time period. Hopefully you got a after Jesus' time period. And so he's saying, you were taught with regard, with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new. Everybody say new. So now you got an old you, but now you got a new you. And I want you to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the, everybody say new. You got to put on the new. So you got to be made new. You got to put on the new to be created like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so this is where we begin this journey. I just want you to know that you are new. When you put your faith in Jesus, no matter like, like what you look like or feel like on the outside, Jesus said there's been a transition of life. You are now brand spanking new, which means this, you are not your past. Can I get an amen out there? That's, that's good to get let go of that, isn't it? You are not who they said you were. You are not who you used to be. You are not your sinful past or you're not, you don't, you don't have, you are something completely new. And the apostle Paul uses like a couple of verbs in here. The, the first verb that he uses to kind of describe is this. He goes, you've been made new. Now here's the deal. Only God can do that. Only God can actually make you new. You can't do that on your own. And, but there's a temptation to and we know this through like just human observation or looking at our own life and history. We know that there are times in our life where we were trying to make ourselves new. And in my experience, I always flunked at that. Like, I, I, you ever try really hard? Like, like, think about your past before Jesus and you're like, wow, I'm jacked up. I'm really going to try hard. I'm really going to break that. I, it, how'd that go? It was tough. It was hard. It was basically, you probably, like me, probably failed and failed and flunked and messed it up. Because there's this temptation that we all have to save ourselves. At some point, we recognize something ain't right. That's natural, right? And we either turn to Jesus or what we do is we just try to fix ourselves. And this is us trying to save ourselves. So for example, like people who are kind of religious, usually they try to save themselves just by kind of assuming, well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, good, I'm a good person. I mean, I ain't killed nobody. You know, that's your resume. I haven't killed nobody. <laughs> um, like, you know, so I, I, I think I'm good enough. You know, there's that version. Now, then there, there's, there's not, that's loosely religious. There's like the deeply religious person. And that's the person that says, I keep all the rules. All 10 commandments, I memorize them, I keep them all. And then remember the other 613 commands of the Old Testament? I keep all those. And remember some of the stuff that Jesus added? I keep all those too. And that makes what makes me better than you. And so, is that I, 
I keep all the rules. And so because I keep all the rules, and, and here's, here's, the, here's the shocking news I have for you. You could keep all the rules. It still wouldn't make up the difference. It still wouldn't bridge the gap between a sinful person and a holy God. It just, it just doesn't do it. And that's why even like people that aren't religious at all, but, but this is just, you know, what we would say is, oh, you know what? Well, I'm a good person and I just try to really be good to other people. And I hope that if I'm just really good, that that will be good enough. Again, there's a huge gap. We keep trying to save ourselves with good deeds or good little religious acts or good things. There's even like a sect of people that would say like in the pseudo-spiritual realm, if we just do enough guruish things or, or, or self-help things or meditation type thing, and we just keep trying to do things, maybe, maybe that will make me new. And what I'm telling you is this, only God can do that. That's the, that's the gap. The gap between you and God is so huge that only God can fill the gap. And that's what he did through Jesus. And so there's nothing about us that's great and that's wonderful. It's not good enough. It must be through Jesus because only he is good enough. Now, there's another verb that he used. It wasn't to be made new. It was a different one. He would say, would say put it on. You got to put on the new. Now, how many of you woke up and got dressed this morning? Right? Well, maybe you slept in your clothes from last night and you just rolled in. I, I, that's the only thing I can think of. So I got dressed this morning, and I always do this on Sunday morning. I get dressed, and then I go to my wife, right? Oh, guys, this is like really, this is in the sermon notes. You should do this, though. If you get dressed, go to your wife and be like, babe, do I look okay? Just to make sure. You just, you just don't know. And so anyway, have your wife sign off on what you're wearing. And I do that every Sunday morning. And, and, and just, you know, we get, we get dressed every morning. Like, I don't know about you. My, you know what my favorite outfit is? It's a comfy pair of jeans and like a soft T-shirt. That's like the best for me. I don't know what you do, but like, you know, you have different outfits. Like if I'm doing a wedding, I put on a suit. I got the suit, the tie. I, got, I think I got like one really good suit and that's all I wear because I really don't like wearing suits. And so um, I always tell people like if I'm, if I'm wearing a suit, it's bad for you because I'm either doing your wedding or doing your funeral. Either way, you're in trouble. So, but you, but, but remember the old phrase, like you dress for success. Remember that old thing? Remember like dress for the job you want, not the job you have or whatever, Somebody just said, like, oh, wow, I never thought about that. So, so what I want you to think about and consider is this, is that every morning when you wake up and you begin to put your clothes on, that literally you can have a moment where you pray and say, God, I recognize I'm getting dressed for the day, but God, I pray that, that I would put on the new guy today, the new girl today, the new person in Christ Jesus today. I hope that in my mind, I flip the switch that reminds myself that Jesus in you I'm new. I don't have to live like I used to live. I don't have to be who I used to be. I don't have to be who they said I was. I don't have to be uh, basically chained to my sin and my issues and my junk. God, today, I thank you that I can be new in you. And so that's this whole idea of being new is that God wants to make you new, but also there's a transition where you have to put on something yourself. You have to do you. You, you got to put on the new. Now, let's move forward real quick here because there's the Bible uses like big theological words sometimes to make simple truths. And so th th there's, there's a few of these ideas that when you look at like how God makes you new in the Bible, this is what it looks like. If you're taking notes, number one is this, the way that God makes you new and the way this all works out, number one is this, everybody say justification. That's just a big religious fancy word. It's a word that basically just means you're new before God. So for example, if you're justified it means you're right in what you're doing, right? You've been, you're, you're justified in what you're doing. To be justified, though, really what it means is this, is now you're new before God because the way it works is this. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but God is incredibly holy and God is incredibly just. 
And, and if you've ever had a thought, you're like, okay, well, wait a minute. Why couldn't God just forgive everybody? If God is just all powerful, couldn't he just forgive everybody? And the answer is no, because it would contradict his nature of his justice and his holy. Because so God is love, but he's also holy and he's also just. And so God can't just blanket forgive everything because then that would contradict the nature of his holiness. Does that make sense so far? And so what he could have done, and and he would have been very, very fair and very, very right in doing so. He could have been like, y'all are all jacked up and ain't nobody getting back. Ain't nobody getting into heaven. Everybody's in trouble because y'all are all a mess. And if he would have done that, he would have been completely right or fair or justified in doing so. So if you've ever asked yourself the question, why did Jesus even have to die? Like, what was the point? Couldn't God just forgive everybody? The reason why Jesus had to die was to satisfy the holiness or the justice of God. So what happened was, is that none of us were going to be justified before God. Every one of us. The ga- See, there's, a, there's this kind of mentality sometimes that we think about, well, if God is so loving, how could he ever let anyone go to a place called hell? That just doesn't seem unloving. But if you looked at it from the other side, you would say this. You would say, God is so holy, how can he ever let anyone in? It just depends on how you look at it. And the answer to that question is Jesus. It's because we were all a mess. We were all on the outside looking in. We were all deserving of justice, Right? But Jesus stepped in and said, you know what? I'll take it for you. I'll take your place. I'll take your sin. I'll take your mess and I'll put it on me and that will make you justified before God. It's what Second Corinthians says it like this. It says that Jesus who knew no sin actually became sin so that you and I could be right before God. So we call it the great exchange. It ain't about you. It ain't about how many good deeds or how many good works or how many good things or what my church attendance was or how many Bible verses I memorized. It is simply that Jesus has taken my place and I have totally put my faith in him and in that act that he did on the cross and taking my place. And that makes us, everybody say justified. That's the justification. Now, the second theological word that, that, that the Bible uses is this. It's, everybody say regeneration. Regeneration just means I'm new on the inside. So there's this work where like I'm new before God, but then God goes to work on you so that you can be new on the inside. And he does all this stuff, like everything starts hitting you. When you come to faith in Jesus, God is just at work. And for some people, it's a super quick thing. For other people, it's the slow road. I I don't know why he does it or how he does it. I don't know if some of y'all are putting up too much of a fight or some of y'all are just diving into the the, the deep end without your, your floaties. I don't know how that works. But what I do know is that when you come to faith in Jesus, that God begins to do some new stuff on the inside of you. Here's what that looks like. For example, like you get like the the Bible, he says this this transformation is so radical. He says it's like being born again. Like now that was just so you know, I got three kids. That's a crazy experience. Okay. If you ever go on like and watch a birthing video, I don't recommend that. Okay. It's a crazy, radical experience experience little baby in a little bubble bunch of fluid happy whatever and then all of a sudden whoosh, and he's you know or and it's, it's, it's not a small thing to see a baby get born and he said this transformation that happens in you is as if you were born all over again except you weren't born on the outside you were born on the inside Here, here's another one not only that you have a new lord now see you know who was the lord of your life before you, you, you were the Lord of your life. And that's why we probably made a mess of it. And so 
We were the Lord of our life. We called our own shots, did what we want, when we wanted to do, how we wanted. If it did feel good, we did do it. And we had our way of doing everything and we were the Lord of our life. And he says, now that you come to faith in Jesus, you have a new Lord or a new king in essence. And as you surrender your life to him, his ways are way better than your ways. And you end up with this great new blessed life before you. Here's another one. You have a new heart. Like, think about this. The Bible speaks to the heart as kind of like um, the seat or the center point of who you are, right? So your heart is who you are. And, and the Bible says that your heart needed to be made new. Um, there's this thing in like culture where we say things like, oh, dude, what's in your heart? Like you come to your friend and you're like, I don't know what to do. Should I go out with him? Should I not go with him? And your friend's like, dude, what's in your heart? You know, like you're, you, guys, you're, you're, you're at the dealership. And you see the Mustang, or, or you see like, you know, the minivan, and you're like, and your buddy's like, dude, do what's in your heart. Get in the Mustang. Um, actually, doing what's in your heart is a very, very bad piece of advice. <laughs> because the, the Bible says, apart from God, our heart is wicked. <laughs> and so like, the answer is this. So if you're here today and you are apart from God, I just want you to know, don't go with your heart. You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't do that. You have no idea how that's going to turn out. But see, what happens is the Bible says that you get a brand new heart in Christ Jesus. And here, here's another one with that new heart. You get new desires. Like, this is incredible. I don't, I don't know what your experience was like, but I know when I came to faith in Jesus, I had these new things. Like, I remember trying to occasionally pick up a Bible and read it. And I thought, this is such a weird book. Everybody has weird names. None of this makes sense. This is all gibberish. This is like some weird. And then all of a sudden, I, I came to faith in Jesus. And when I picked up a Bible, all of a sudden, it was like I put on glasses. <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, this, this thing actually begins to make sense now. And now I actually want to read. I had this new desire to read the Bible. And it was mind-blowing what was in the Bible. But I'd never had that desire before. There were new desires to like want to honor God or do, do right by others and treat other people with kindness or dignity. There were just these new desires that I had that I had never had before. And then lastly, here's, here's another. You just have a new power about you. Like you, you hopefully have a new sense of purpose. You wake up with a new energy. When it comes to like overcoming some of the junk or baggage or garbage in your life, like before it would just constantly win. It would constantly get the best of you. And now you have this new power inside of you all because God is doing this new work in you. We call it regeneration. God is just doing something new on the inside of you. Third theological, whatever, <laughs> third, 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 third theological term is this. So we had justification. Then we had regeneration. Everybody say glorification. Yeah, this is, this is the third. I'm done now. This is no more big theological words. This is it because it's all I can handle in the day anyhow. So, so glorification means not only am I new before God, am I getting new on the inside, but glorification says one day, hey, because here's the reality. And we know this is true because Christians are crazy. Even though you're new before God, you still got some issues and some junk, right? And then God, through regeneration, is trying to work that stuff out in you. But how many you know if you've been saved for 10 or 20 or 30 years, is God still working on you? Absolutely, because you're not a finished product yet. As a matter of fact, this is what the Bible teaches. You will not reach any type of completion or perfection until you one day get to heaven and God gets to really kind of clean it all up. And this is what we call glorification. It means that you will be new in the life to come. And I'm telling you what, this is... 
This is awesome. When you really begin to look at what the Bible says about heaven and about the future, about what God does, here's just some thoughts about this. Like in eternity, the Bible says that there's actually a new heaven and a new earth. We were talking about this at small group the other day. Like, what is heaven like? And, and, if, and if you're out there today and you think, I don't know if I want to go to heaven because I feel like I'll just be at church for eternity. I get you. I would be on the fence a little bit myself there. I don't know if I want to be in church for it. If you felt like, I don't know if I want to go to heaven because it doesn't seem like it's fun. I don't know if I want to go to heaven because I don't want to be a chubby fat baby with wings on a cloud with a harp singing forever. God, this is lame. So I just want you to know, like, I don't want that either, but that's not what the Bible says heaven is like. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that in essence, there's a new heaven and a new earth. And it goes on. To, well, I'll just read you the Bible verses. There's more than just these, but I just picked a couple. Revelations 21.1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Peter said the same thing. He says this. He says, But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Because what the Bible teaches is this, is that God ends up basically bringing heaven to earth. So if you ever wondered like, well, I guess I go to heaven for eternity. Actually, you don't. Actually, the Bible says that God brings heaven to earth and you're on earth for eternity. You ever, you ever thought about that before? So like, how many like hiking? Yeah, my wife did like seven mile hike yesterday. Babe, there'll be mountains. There'll be hiking. How many like coffee? Yeah, there's coffee. Yeah, because if there are trees, then there's beans. And if there's beans, there's coffee beans. You squeeze the bean juice. Make it hot. It's coffee. Um, so how many like animals? Like, like, I don't know if all dogs go to heaven, but I think there's dogs in heaven. I don't know if mine's getting there or not, but you know, like, I think I'll get a new one maybe. They don't live that long anyhow. So <laughs> little Marley will be a memory, you know, but, but I'll, get a new, I'll get a new dog and name it Marley and I'll replace the old dog. Um, think about friends and people and loved ones. And even, even the idea of work, like, like I think work is a good thing. Work is a divine thing. It's not like you go to heaven and be lazy forever. It's like, no, God's got things to do and places to go and things to discover. And I, can you imagine what a world without sin would be like? Like, remember the little dog? Remember how you can, you can have a dog that's been abused or whatever, and all of a sudden he's mean and nasty and he's kind of beat up? Imagine a dog that's never experienced sin. He's just, that tail is just, and the tongue, and he just wants to be happy. Like, that's the kind of dog. But like, but think about your relationships void of sin. Think about color or flavor or taste or, I mean, like, void of any sin contaminating. And so it's a new heaven. It's a new earth. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty awesome. So number, number two is this, is not only is there a new heaven and a new earth, the Bible speaks of there being kind of a new reality, meaning like the way that you experience life is different there. And, and here's why. Listen to this. The Bible says that Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order, meaning that old reality, the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything what? Man, God's doing a new thing. I want you to know he's making you new before God. He's doing a new work in you. And I'm telling you, there's a newness in the life to come because that new reality, like, I don't know about you, but like, I think about like things in this world that are broken because of sin. And I think, man, we're going to live one day in a world where there is no sickness, there's no disease. There, there are no migraine headaches. There's no backaches. There's no love handles. There's no, um, there's, no th- there's no thinning of your hair, maybe. I don't know about that one. Probably. I don't know. Uh, there's no, but there's no cancer. There's no hatred. There's, no, there, there, there's none of these things that have been brought on by sin and death. 
there's a whole new reality. But it only gets discovered is if you will come and say, Jesus, I really need you to justify me before God. Because clearly I cannot do that on my own. Anything other than that is to say, God, I don't want you in my life. I'm kind of doing my own thing. I'll figure out how to save myself. I'll be happy and complete on my own. I'll do life on my own. I'll figure out everything on my own. I don't need you. And it's to reject this idea of being right before God or God doing something new on the inside of you or God preparing a completely new reality in the life to come. Number three is this, is there will be a new level of God's presence. Listen to the Bible verse here. Rome, or Revelation chapter 21 verse three says, now the dwelling of God is with men. Now how many know like, like God is omnipresent so he's like in all places at all times, but not like in a tangible way or a real way or a completely seen or a completely felt way. But the Bible says that he will live with them. This will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. In the very next chapter, it says, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him and they will see his face. That was like a big, like, remember in the Old Testament and Moses is like, hey God, can I like, like this, because when you're super close with God, you, you ask weird, audacious questions. You're like, hey, I'm doing all this stuff for you. I just got one request. I want to see you. <laughs> You've done this before too, but you, was, you probably didn't say, God, can you do What you did was is you were in your couch and you look at the coffee table and you're like, God, if you're real, just make that book move. Just, just, just make, did anybody do that? Yeah, you're laughing. You did that too. So, but Moses is like, God, I want to see your face. I want to see what you look like. And God said, no, you can't handle that yet. He said, so this is what he said. He goes, you go get in the rock and, and go just stick your face in the rock. And what I'll do is I'll pass by and then I'll let you just see like a little bit of like the leftover glory that, that and he's like, okay, I'll take that. And so that's, just, that's, that's the best Moses could get. Moses, it's the best he could get was like the, the, the smoke from his afterburner. You know, I don't, that's the best. The Bible says we have a new level of God's presence that we get to see him, that his presence dwells with us and we will see his Face, it's a whole new thing. Number, number last is this. God will give you a new name. I don't know if you like your name or not. I've always been a little indifferent to Todd. I always felt like I was like a nerdy white guy or preppy country club guy. I don't even know. I was like, Todd, it's, yeah. But you know, most of the time I don't think about it. And so, but I don't know if you like your name or not. Some people like their name. It's really cool. Some people are like, oh, I hate my name. I was named after my aunt, you know, Gertrude or whatever. And so I'm Gertie, you know. The Bible says in, in, the, in the life to come that you get a new name. But listen, I want you to know why you get a new name, because the why is so powerful. Listen to this. Uh, Revelation 2, 17 says this. It says, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give him, or I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person, now listen to this, a white stone with a new name written on it known only to the one who receives it. I'll read that again. I will give that person a white stone with a new name written on it. Now, I don't know about you, but that means absolutely nothing to 21st century American people. We're like, I don't get that. Why would I get a white stone? Well, here's the deal. In John's day and time, this was incredibly significant because in a Roman court system, when you went before the judge and they brought all the evidence for you and against you to see if you had actually committed the crime, basically, if you were convicted and found guilty, they would give you a black stone, but if you were acquitted or found innocent, they would give you a white stone. And he said, when you come to heaven, I want you to know that you'll stand before me and I'll give you a white stone because you have been found not 
guilty, not because of what you have done, but because Jesus has taken your place. This is also true of the ancient Olympic Games. In the ancient Olympic Games, what they would do is, is that they would, uh, they would basically give white stones to the winners and they would have their name on it. So this was culturally relevant to John, even though it means nothing to us. But what it means is this, is that in Christ Jesus, you are victorious and found not guilty. That's the new name. Can we give Jesus just a big hand clap this morning? Like there's a new thing. Like God wants to do something new in you today. He wants to make you new before God. And there is a new heaven and earth waiting on you where God wants to create a new reality. And I just, and you know what, just for the mom that's out there and maybe you're struggling and you're like, thank God it's Mother's Day because I just needed a breather. Or maybe you're out there and maybe you're not a mom at all, but you feel like life is heavy and life is hard and there's a burden to it. And I don't know if I'm going to give, I know so many people that are struggling right now and Todd, I don't know what to do. Todd, would you pray for me? And I'm barely hanging on. And I just want to share with you this last closing story. There's, um, in, in the 1950s, there was this woman named Florence Chadwick who was this great female swimmer. And what she, she'd actually swam across the English Channel both ways, like not at the same time. But, and she was just, so, so what she wanted to do though is when she came to America, she wanted to swim from the Catalina Island to the coast of California. And so they set it up and they have boats and, because I think they have sharks down there, so they, they, need, they need some boats. So she was determined that she was gonna swim this long journey. And so she gets into the water and she starts swimming just like she always would. But it said that, that on that day it was really, really cold and it was really, really cloudy and it was really, really foggy and she really couldn't see that far. But she just starts swimming and the boats are alongside of her. And there were times where she got discouraged and wanted to quit. And apparently her mom was like in the boat and was like cheering her on. And then that what moms do, they just cheer you on. They believe that you're a great singer, even though you're not. They think you're special. And, you know, moms are great. And she's swimming and she's swimming and she gets tired and they keep encouraging her and she gets tired and she wants to quit. And they say, no, you can do it. You're so close. It's just a little bit further. If you'll just hang on, I promise you can do it. I promise you can make it. Come on, little girl, you got this in you. You can do this. You can do this. And finally, the story says that she just was so exhausted that she just stopped swimming and they had to pull her out of the water and back into the boat. And when she got into the boat and, and she could see just a little bit clearer, what she realized was is that she was only a half a mile away from the shore. And this is what she said in her interview afterwards. She says, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. I want you to know, I want you to have a little bit of hope in you this morning to know this. You might be living in the fog or the discouragement. It might feel heavy. It might feel burdensome. You might have days where you're like, man, what's the point? How am I going to make it? And God, would you please? And God, where are you at? And I just, if I could give you just a little bit of hope this morning, I just want you to know it, it, you're not that far away, that Jesus is with you, that he's cheering you on, that he's got your back, that he's right by your side, and it's not that much further away, and he's with you. He's going to help you cross the finish line. I don't want you to live in the fog and the discouragement. I want you to know that every once in a while you need to remember and you need to remind yourself, you know what? Heaven is a reality that's waiting on me and I'm not there yet. But Jesus is with me until I get there. And as long as I don't focus on the fog, I know every once in a while I just need to remind myself that there is a new reality, a new level of God's presence, that there is a new heaven and a new earth that is waiting on me. I can overcome. Let's pray this morning. So Father, I pray, God, that we would wake up every morning with this sense of newness on us. That when we wake up in the morning, we remember, God, that you're doing a new thing in us, God, that, that we're not our past. 
We're not our brokenness. We're not our addictions, God. We can be completely new in you. And God, I pray that you would make us new, but God, every morning we would lean into it and put on the new. Like a fresh pair of clothes, God, we would put on the new. We would remind ourselves that, God, you're at work in us. You're giving us a new heart. You're giving us new desires. There's a power within us that we can lean into, God. You are with us, and you are making us new in you. God, we thank you for that. And it is in your holy name that we pray. And we all said amen. 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 Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. I want to I do something real quick here. Um, and again, I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, but I feel like it's just one of those moments where I want to give you an opportunity. Um, if you could, everybody bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to have a private moment right now between me and you and God. That's, that's mostly private. There's three of us. Me, you, and God. But if you're in here today and you say, Todd, I have never asked God to come into my life and make me new. I've never asked God to take my place so that I could be new before him. I've never, I just never have. I've thought about it. I've tried to be a good person. I thought I would be all right. I thought I was doing a good, but I realized that, you know what? I need Jesus to make me new. It's not, I cannot do it on my own. Me doing it is not good enough. I need Jesus to make me new today. If that's you today, then I want you to do this between me and you and God. I want you to slip your hand up on the count of three, just as a sign between me, you and the Lord. Hey, today is my day. I need to step into new. I need God's forgiveness. I need God's presence. I need God's help. I want that new reality waiting on me. On the count of three, slip your hand up in the air. One, two, three, and slip your hand up in the air. Yeah, yeah, there's something new. There's something new. I promise you, God dearly loves you. If he didn't, he wouldn't have paid that ultimate price for you. There's hands scattered up kind of all over this place. And so here, here's what I want to do right now. I want us to like do a prayer all together and I'll lead you in that prayer. And there's a bunch of really cool like people in here that are going to pray out loud with you so you don't have to feel like you're all alone. And so what I want you to do is this. I want you to just kind of repeat after me. And this is a prayer that you would pray. And I just want you to kind of meet it from the bottom of your heart. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I need you. I'm lost. I need to be found. I need to be made new. I thank you, Lord, that you died for me and that you rose again so that I might have life. So I ask, Lord, forgive me, help me, help me to know you, help me to follow you today and every day for the rest of my life. Help me, Lord. It's in your name that I pray. And give me the best amen you got today, yeah? Yeah. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.